crazy to me because a lot of times I think that there's just this underlying belief that when we become adults, nobody can tell us what to do. What God does to Revelation, like, right. hey, does that bother you a little bit? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what that is? Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Right. I heard John, when I heard John say, I don't know, I'm like, how could he not know right, right. the answer? He's writing the book. He he wrote the gospel, three letters, <laughs> and the book of Revelation. It's like, oh, Lord, why is this so hard? <laughs>well welcome to another episode of behind the sermon we've got myself daniel here today who are these other fine lads with me my name is joe pastor i'm carl great so we're excited to dive into some more we've been going over uh really diving into some of the some of the more difficult passages now in Revelation, and so I think we've got a good number of things to talk about. And both of you, over the last couple of weeks, we've done chapters seven, eight, and nine. And so I'd love for each of you to give a little bit of um, just a little bit of the process for you as you were preparing to speak on these passages. I'd love to hear what were some specific things that you felt like you were working through either on a personal level or even just trying to take these kind of grandiose concepts that come through um, and how, how do you do that process of taking that and boiling it down to something that feels real and present in our life and then even just how was the Lord doing that for you personally? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear from Carl. Yeah, oh, me too. Oh, isn't it usually... Well, you did chapter seven. We'll go, oh, chron- yeah, we'll yeah, go yeah, chronological. Go. Good deal. I'll go first. I'll okay. go first, Joe. All right. Um, yeah, man, when I, I, I shared this when I preached, but when I was assigned this passage, uh, Revelation 7, I was, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. There's a lot of, you know, potential ways that you can get sidetracked and really miss the heart of the passage. Um, but as I continued to read it and got past the flat earth thing, because that tripped me up for a little bit. <laughs> if I got past the flat earth thing and, pa- and past the uh, Jehovah's Witness thing, I began to see that there were sur- some like very, very personal bits to this passage. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, faith is personal relationship with God, right? Like, Jesus died for our sins. Why? So that we could be brought into relationship with God once again. It's a restored relationship with Him. And so, when I dive into these, like, biblical um, passages, I'm trying to find those things that connect personally with me and and the Lord. Um, And I, I oftentimes, when I approach these more like prophetic books, I find that it's easy to get sidetracked by these little, uh, what do you call them? Little like theological nuggets, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I love theological nuggets. Like I'll eat theological nuggets for breakfast. You know, it's just like, oh, this is really cool. And then this is really cool. And you kind of go through and yes, theological nuggets are great, but they, I've found just in my life, they primarily serve me a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to have these little answers to different things, but I haven't really seen a big impact on 
people around me, the people I love with those. Um, and that's just, that's maybe just my life. But when I was diving into this passage, a couple of the personal parts that I didn't really have time to really dig into was, uh, um, like verse 12 and also just the way that, um, these people who are coming out of the great tribulation, just the way that they are praising and worshiping God. When I see these passages of these people who have made it, you know, they're on the other side, they're in glory, they're Mm -hmm. with God, they're with Jesus. I have, I feel like the Lord has just invited me to think about that as what would that look like in reality? Because I will experience that one day by the grace of God. And so these people are saying before the throne, worshiping God in verse 12, amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And I'm just thinking about what would make me, what would make those words come out of me? Because a lot of times, to be honest, the things that are coming out of my mouth when I'm talking with the Lord is like, Oh Lord, why is this so hard? (laughs) You know, like those were a lot of my prayers with the Mm -hmm. Lord. Oh God, please help me with this or all this situation or that. And the thing that's bringing those words out of me is the difficulties in life. And so what awe and beauty and wonder would I behold to have this come out of me? Like a, men Mm -hmm. like even like right when i see it i agree like this is it blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to god forever and i think the ones who are saying this are ones who have seen god's faithfulness through till the end you know it truly Mm -hmm. is their genuine response then at the very end uh you know, verses 15 and on. I also love that little bit when the elder asks John, like, hey, who are these, who, who are these people? And he's like, uh, you, you know, not me. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> you yeah. tell me. Yeah. And I think it's kind of funny because, like, this, it's obvious that this elder is like, oh, he should, be, he, he should be asking this question. And so he kind of, like, prompts him along. Um, but then he tells him these are the people who are coming out of the Great Tribulation. They've washed their their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they're not going to hunger. They're not going to thirst. The sun is not going to strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in their midst of the throne will shepherd or will be their shepherd and he will guide them. And so it's interesting because I don't oftentimes think much about heaven. It's passages like these that make me sit back and think a little bit and recognize, wow, I'm not just going to be like sitting up there on a cloud kicking it back. Mm -hmm. But God is still going to shepherd me. Jesus, the lamb, is still going to shepherd me. He's going to guide us to springs of living water. He's going to provide for us everything we need, food, drink, we're not going to be scorched by the heat. It's a really, it's a really more full picture. Yes. And it brings it into reality. It makes it less of this like far off, like, you know, like Hail Mary hope. That's like, oh, you know, like, I hope I end up there. It's like, mm-hmm. this is going to be reality where I'm going to 
exist, walk, live, relate. And so, yeah, these, these passages really brought this a little bit closer for me and allowed me to connect it um, just a little bit more to, mm. to my reality yeah. and eternal destiny. Yeah, so. that's great. The, um, that question that <clears throat> uh, this angel <clears throat> asks, excuse me, <clears throat> or one of the elders asked him, so, who are these people? I, I, when I was reading that, I thought, just think of the people reading this <clears throat> book called Revelation, knew that the author was John, eyewitness of Jesus Christ, in the middle of all those miracles, in the middle of, uh, I mean, we get so much of our theology from John, yet John did not know. Right? I mean, and this is like mm-hmm. a frontline person that right. all of us would say, oh my goodness, I would love to be John. But John is like, I would love to see some more stuff here. <laughs> and so I think one of the things when we turned the corner in uh, Revelation 4 and started to see this bigger, broader, deeper, more colorful picture of heaven, that has been a major change for me. Um, I, I have not allowed myself, never saw it, never took the time, whatever, to... Um, dive into the book of revelation like like i am right now you know and that yeah that's my you know I, I feel badly that i haven't but one of the effects is oh my goodness like i see how beautiful the world is and how complex it is and how beyond even our fully understanding it even though it's finite uh, and it's it's just a reflection right. mm-hmm. of something so much grander in heaven. So that has really caught the book. This study has really caught me up in that reality. And when I heard John, when I heard John say, "I don't know," I'm like, "How could he not know right, right. the answer?" He's writing the book. He he wrote the gospel, three letters, <laughs> and the book of Revelation, and he does not know. There's just like that excites me about what we don't know and what we're going to find out and what the people, you know, that John is writing about and, and who, is, who are giving him the revelation. Um, my goodness, there's so much that we do not know. And that thrills me like crazy yeah. about our eternity rather mm-hmm. than like, oh, man, eternity is a long time. I'm like, is eternity going to be long enough, really? You know, it, I'm, that's switching mm, in my wow. head a little bit. Like, oh, we have no idea. And like the last part of First Corinthians 13 says, we see in a mirror dimly, right. we can barely see, but then we will fully know. It, I, that's kind of made sense to me as, I've, as I'm trying to listen to John and, and, yeah. and him describing, you know, the, um, his revelation. And it is. Um, so, so that... That part has been exciting um, in, in my personal study. Uh, the other part for me, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is going to help or hurt, but I, I feel like in studying Revelation, I am like in, back in Old Testament and New Testament times altogether mm-hmm. because it's bloody. Mm-hmm. It's judgment. Yeah. It's black. It's white in some ways. And um, so I have taken the time to listen to the entire book a couple of times since we've been studying it just at at one sitting. And that has given me this, for me, it's been a really a helpful exercise to, first of all, I think that verse five in chapter one, it says that's, 
blessed are those who read it and hear it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking all these people would not have just studied it a chapter a week. Right. They would have heard it. Yeah. <clears throat> and they, they, you know, would have heard it read from a real person in a real room, real believers. And <clears throat> I'm wondering if the effect on them is, is similar that I'm feeling about all the all the old covenant and the new covenant is just kind of coming together in this finality and judgment and justice and these big stroke things are happening like oftentimes I see in the Old Testament. Like, oh my goodness, he's going to go in and slay that whole nation because they were so evil rather than it being Old Testament old stuff. It's like, no, this is kind of all coming up. Yeah, And so I, that's... I don't know how I feel about it, except, oh my goodness, yeah. God knew what he was doing back then. Right. It's not old covenant doesn't mean old and worn out. It's like, no, this is who he's always been. He's been a God that is patient and he's full of loving, loving kindness, but he also is just. Yeah. And that's kind of coming together for me in a New Testament book yeah. here yeah. in Revelation. So. Yeah, there's yeah. so much, and we, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit, but there is so much of how in a um, in a very kind of overarching thematic way, John is pulling all of this stuff from the Old Testament. And you just see, especially there's some there's some very common ones like out of Ezekiel, right. Daniel, Zechariah, mm-hmm. all of this imagery that's coming out that God is using to both give John, what would have been to him some familiar stuff like, oh, I, I remember this and maybe it's put in a different context though for him. And so, and, and I feel like that's been the case for me. You know, we, one of the things that I used, um, when I was going through chapter four was using Hebrews Mm -hmm. right now, right alongside, because Hebrews is a little bit more of a straightforward commentary, kind of like how Mm -hmm. we like to (laughs) read the the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then John is kind of like this imagery and all, you know, and, and really diving into the spiritual realities. Mm -hmm. And so it really is, it's a, it's a completely different look at the work of Jesus Mm -hmm. and the plan of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's helpful. And, and not in the way that we want it to be always though. Like it's helpful to me in the, in the sense that it always leaves me with questions. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, and I I love that you both kind of dialed in on that in chapter seven, where he's like, Hey John, did you notice that? And I feel like that's what God does through revelation. Like, Hey, does that bother you a little bit? (laughs) Right. You know what that is? And it's like, no, I have no idea what that is. Right. Yeah. And, and there's like this thing of like, okay, let's sit with that yeah. for a minute. Yeah. And I think that's, the, that's part of the reason why Revelation has been difficult for a lot of people. And then even why sometimes our predisposition with Revelation is to dive in and treat it like other books. is because it's like, I just want the quick thing. Like, mm-hmm. this is what it says and this is what it is. It's like, sweet cool check you know and and what i what i feel invited to i think and this is what we're trying to all experience together is like let's just sit in the discomfort a little bit the discomfort of like i don't i don't know what this is and it is funny because you know people often like to um preach things with so much 
assurance. And there are certain things we can preach with 100% assurance. Right, right, right. And there are other things, like some of these things that are coming out in Revelation. It's like, I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of smart people that land in different places. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really good thing for us to learn how to embrace that. The other thing that you were saying, Joe, is the idea of when the first hearers of this book were receiving it, they just, they just read the whole thing. They mm-hmm. weren't going verse by verse, mm-hmm. picking it apart. I'm sure that probably came about and they, mm-hmm. they dove in a little deeper, but the first way they received this was just, it, you know, it was a letter to them. They read, they read through it. And so it's kind, kind of more than anything. The purpose is just to go, right, right. just blow your mind a little bit. And, um, and I love that. Mm-hmm. So let's just, um, I want, I want to just kind of double click a little bit and just see, is there anything, because obviously, you know, whenever you preach through some of these, some of these chapters, there are always things that kind of go unsaid. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder for either of you, were there anything that you feel like just, and I know this is very broad, but anything that you feel like would be helpful to give a little more context or just a piece that you were kind of like, this, this is just something that didn't fit on Sunday morning, but something that might be helpful to people who are curious or, um, or something else that was kind of just stirring in my heart personally. I've got something. Go ahead. I, I felt like when I was studying, preparing, even right up till Sunday morning before I delivered the message, I really thought the focus was going to be way more on repentance then, then you know, I, I ended mm. with that a little mm-hmm. bit. That's the mm-hmm. challenge to the passage. Um, and as I was teaching, it became obvious to me that the focus was on really trying to explain from this text the um, the two sides of God's condemnation on planet Earth and on individuals is judgment and justice. Mm. And I, I was not anticipating that in my study all week. Mm. And as I was thinking about it, praying, you know, I don't know. Um, so I thought the focus was going to be on repentance, and it became on justice and judgment, and that there's something to tell, there's something about the judgment of God, the justice of God that's really supposed to minister to our yeah. heart, mm. yes. both in a, <clears throat> in a repentant way, yeah. but also in a very comforting way. That God is, you know, Joe, you have treated some people badly and you need to confess, repent right. of that. And you've been treated badly. You need to know that I'm on, I'm on that too. Yeah. yeah. On both sides of it for everyone. And I, so for me as a teacher, trying to listen to the Lord, even during the message, that became for me the, the lion's share of that message rather than st- what I anticipated was a real big old focus on repentance. Mm. Uh, it was still there, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't come, yeah. you know, I, which is kind of a strange thing for yeah. a teacher, but that, that I, I felt that yeah. on Sunday morning from that yeah. text. Yeah. That's, and I think that's so good, Joe. It is so helpful because I just think about our realities nowadays and how in many ways we like one thing that we hear about a lot is loneliness, right? Mm -hmm. I think COVID definitely perpetuated that. Like we were literally locked in our own homes. Okay. Pause for a second. Isn't that nuts? Yes. (laughs) Right. I just got thrown back to that. Like where I was locked in my apartment by myself. You want to rabbit trail a little bit on this one? Yeah. Yeah, That was, it's like, 
That was crazy. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> but in many ways, we have become isolated in a, in a lot of ways. The way that we think, the way that we uh, develop our ideas, we do it on our phones socially. But really, it's just me thinking by myself. And that means there's not a lot of challenge to me building my ideas and my thoughts and becoming very assured of of myself and my ideas in here. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when we receive challenges, a lot of times we're just like, no, no, I've already got all this like internal chatter that agrees with me. And I feel like it's so important Mm -hmm. that there is that hard line that we come up against, that we recognize there is truth. God is just, Mm -hmm. he is good. And there, there will be judgment because for me, that shakes me up. Mm -hmm. It shakes up those internal like walls that I've built up and it makes me want to, like you were saying, repent. And we all need to come to that place in the face of God's judgment and recognize, okay, God, you are good. Even though, yeah, we took a bite of, you know, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we don't decide good and evil. Even right. though we're pretending right, right. now, right. even though I'm really mm-hmm. pretending, you do. And I need to recognize what you say is good and evil, and I need to abide by that yeah. and walk in that. And the way that we do that is by coming up in the face of this judgment, in this what is, what is to come, this justice, mm-hmm. and saying, okay, Lord, let your justice have its way in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, Bring me to a place of repentance. Help yeah. me to con- be conformed more to the image of your son yeah. and not just to the ideas that I have so formed in my mind. I was wondering if, if that was happening in other people's lives like it's happening in mine, Carl. Mm-hmm. You really put words to that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, when, when e- any of us are honest, we all have our Achilles heel, oh, yeah. our systemic sins that just are constantly nipping at us and wanting to, you know, control us. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel more empowered, not by the, the love of God as much as I am by the justice of God or Mm -hmm. the judgment of God. And that is probably a really good thing because the, the balance of our ministry in the new covenant is love. Yeah. Um, but love really doesn't mean anything at some point if you do not really understand the, the if we don't allow the judgment of God to become a reality for us. And I feel like this, for me, the study in Revelation is really highlighting that. And I, I love that. My flesh hates it, right? But right. I really love it. The spirit in me is just like taking that yes. and helping me. Right understand the seriousness of my bad choices, yeah. of my sin, of my iniquity. Um, and I hope, hopefully that's going to, is happening to more and more of us you right. know, in the family. Cause there's so much freedom in that. Right. right? So much. And yeah. it just, sorry, Daniel, if I, if I cut you off, but uh, I, I want to say some more stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just makes me, it makes me think about being fathered. Yeah. You know, I had right. Right. like the first, um, those formative years of my life, my parents did such a good job, I think, teaching me that right from wrong and consequences. Because yeah. the reality is whether you were taught that or not, there are consequences right. to your actions. At some point. Yeah. Right? You and the, and even though now that we're grown, 
And like, I grow a mustache and you do too, Daniel. Nice job. Amen. Even now, I need to be fathered by God. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to me because a lot of times I think that there's just this underlying belief that when we become adults, nobody can tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has that right, you know? And mm-hmm. if you're, if somebody confronts you, it like you, you see people come to their defense like so strong and they don't even address the issue. They kind of work around it. Right, right. We need to be, we need to be confronted by our father. Mm-hmm. We need him to say, this is right, this is wrong. And part of that is judgment and justice. We're coming to recognize, okay, there are consequences. Yeah. All right. right. Like, right. where, what do you want me to do, Lord? It's like, it's a way of communicating clearly to us when we have become so jaded by our sin and our places of comfort. Yeah, absolutely. And our just, yeah. Anyway, so go good. ahead, Daniel. So go good. ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have I, anything uh, else to no, say? I, no, I, I love that you were going down that path because that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking about how, you know, we, we tend to focus a lot on God's love for mm-hmm. us, and we tend to focus on specific aspects of the gospel, mm-hmm. like um, forgiveness, kind of alleviation of our shame and our guilt and right. things like that. We kind of have these general things that we revolve around. But a big part of the gospel is the justice of God. Yeah, that's right. And it's a big part that you, you see, you see that although we focus the about we focus on the love of God when we see Jesus on the cross, which is it is a hundred percent that. It's also a hundred percent the justice yep, right. of God. Yes, it is. And you just see in Jesus on the cross the seriousness. Of, of the condition of our sinful nature and what we have done to creation. And it gives, it just, it makes you tremble a little bit. Seriously. And I think even, you know, just to bring it into more relational terms, I do think about, you know, with my kids, there are moments where my kids just need to come and just get wrapped up in a big hug. We're just snuggling on a chair. We're reading books together. You know, we're having conversations. There's also times where they just need to wrestle with me. And usually it's in fun, right? Mm -hmm. It's in play. But I I remember it myself as a kid. It was fun to like jump on my dad (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're just going nuts. And it's, but the thing that you feel as a kid, like you're having fun, you're connecting. There's kind of this like physical closeness that you feel. But you also feel like, wow, my dad is strong. Yeah, oh yeah. And I think that's what you get a little bit as you read through Revelation. You hear about the justice of God. You, as a child, like mm-hmm. you, when you feel the strength of your father, it gives you this peace because mm-hmm. you know that his strength is for you, mm-hmm. and that anything that would come against you, his strength would be against that thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what I. I see as I look through all of these things. And I think what we tend to do in the West, because generally we have comfortable lives. Mm -hmm. So the justice of God feels very uncomfortable. It's like, why do you need strength, Lord? Why can't it just be love? Why do you need to have judgment for sin? That makes me feel uncomfortable. But we think about people who have been experienced extreme levels of injustice. And that certainly happens in our midst, but also in very extreme ways, other places around the world and all throughout human history, people have just um, been treated as nothing. Right. And their right. value has been removed from them in one way or another. And, and I just can't imagine um, how comforting it would be 
to see that man, I and, and even the believers who are reading this, they're living yeah. under a dictatorial Rome. Yeah. Right. We have, we're like, oh, I'll just vote in the other person that I like better. They're like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a say. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I have no control over what things are done to me. And I mean, I think ultimately we don't either, but, but they had a real sense of, this has to be God that fixes yeah. this. So I, I do love that. And so it's something I think as believers, we need to get it in our gospel, like um, our understanding of the gospel and, and how not only is it God's love and his, the, the, the path to relationship with God, but it also is his protection. And like, we, like in chapter seven, those who are sealed, and then we see the um the trumpets mm-hmm. right be starting to be blown so you see that there's this sealing this protecting and then also this strength against yep. yeah and and so I, I don't know that's that's some of the stuff that's been coming up mm-hmm. for me um and uh i don't know i just i, I love that that's yeah. that god's bringing that stuff up for us mm-hmm. Absolutely. um let's let's dive into a few of these questions that have come in um the the first one is a question about the scroll so um when we look at <clears throat> this scroll with seven seals handed from God the Father to Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, and then the, those seals begin to be opened. Um, and so the question is, uh, what do you think about the fact the scroll is never actually opened and read, even though Jesus is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Is it only the breaking of the seals that unleashes judgment? This is a, a good question because... We see the seals, like the first seal's open, second seal, and then this judgment proceeds from the breaking of the seal. But then it's never like, and here's what the scroll says. So different commentators take that different ways. Um, I don't know, Joe, do you have anything to, any context to give around that? Yeah. Um, again, the, the genre in Revelation is trying to explain things that are, you know, bigger than us, bigger than our imagination sometimes. So it's really using oftentimes symbolism. And I think this is a case where um, maybe if we read this in such a way like, okay, the the first seal is broken. Now we're going to hear exactly what the scroll says. I think that's what John is doing. Yeah. I think he's, he is, but he's doing it in this living color. Right. This, and, and the edge of it is judgment. Mm-hmm. Look, God is serious about, you know, sin. And, uh, so I, 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 you know, I don't, yeah. So, so the answer is we are getting it. We are getting this, the, the, um, actual images that John saw in the scroll where the seals were broken. And there seems to be, you know, the, the seals as they're broken, it gets broader and deeper and more challenging or, you know, a lot more <clears throat> vicious, <clears throat> which is the same with the trumpets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, that, I don't know, you know yeah. if that answers it or no, not. No, yeah, but, that's, that's yeah. satisfactory to me. Yeah, yeah and I, I, th- I think that's one view that, that comes is like each <clears throat> seal is kind of a successive, like unrolling a sure. little more, a little more. Some people, again, a lot of people have taken so many different views, right. even oh just gosh, on this yeah. scroll. Like some people are like, oh, it's a scroll. Some people are like, oh, actually it's a codex, like it's a book. Sure. Or, sure. So there's a lot of different ways that people try to approach this. Some people say, we just never really see what's written. These are, it is literally just these, if you think of a scroll, it's got seven seals. They break the seals. Now it's able to be opened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that people approach that. But 
Because, yeah. Um, yeah, on the other hand, if it's like he's breaking these seals, each one for the scroll to ultimately be opened, all these judgments have to come to pass, and then God's plan of redemption begins to unfold. So people take that a lot of different ways. Sure. Yeah. So sure. good, it's a great question. Mm-hmm. Probably not a satisfactory answer. Right. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> so it makes me think of how... Um, there are little, just scattered throughout the Bible, little bits and pieces about um, the unseen realm, right? Mm-hmm. Like the spiritual dimension, right? Mm-hmm. And w- I think we get like a really clear picture in Ephesians 6 as to our role in that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, there's like these spiritual beings, angels, demons, powers, principalities over this present darkness. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. tell me more about that. And there's not all that much about it. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we see in Ephesians 6, God is giving us what we need in order to interact with it in the way that he calls us to. Like God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so just that little bit he gives us in Ephesians 6 about like putting on the full armor of God. That way you're protected and you can go to battle, even though we don't know that much. And it's kind of the same thing I see with these, with this scroll, like, maybe we won't know what's on the scroll, but our call is ultimately to trust what God has given us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I think we should find our, our, our landing place. Like, okay, God has given me enough and he's calling me to trust him in this way. And he's, man, there's all this other stuff that he's given me to walk in. I'm going to focus on that. Right. Right. That, that's just usually yep. where I err. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's good. We got another question about this idea of covenant theology and dispensational theology. Um, and just, a, you know, that has kind of been coming up as we've been talking about our interpretive approach. Um, and so maybe we can say just a, just a couple things about that. I think this question is probably asking a little deeper than we want to go today. But mm-hmm. um, Joe, can you give kind of a, a yeah. quick summary of, of just the, the big differences there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the most important thing about these two theological frameworks is that they actually agree on the essence of the gospel. They agree on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation. They believe that it's only through faith that a person can be saved. Right. And then then the, the difference is a dispensationalist, I'm going to be really general because there's a lot of different oh, yeah, yeah. dispensationalist views as there are covenantal. Right. But a dispensationalist really differentiates between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. And, and they have even more dispensations or segments of time right. throughout redemptive history. But the big one is the Old Covenant is for Israel, the New Covenant is for the church, right? And so that is a real general statement about dispensational. They just see different dispensations of the grace of God on Israel and on the church. The book of Revelation then is trying to reconcile all of that for the theologian, for the Bible reader, for the believer, um, and and bring those things together. So when we get into the book of Revelation, rightfully so, we have to kind of understand dispensational as we read commentaries or listening to messages we we need to learn this person is coming from a certain framework of how to look at the book of revelation a dispensationalist is saying okay israel is central to this right. but it's different from the church 
Now, covenant the theologians believe that there is Adam had a covenant with God that broke. Then God uh, came uh, through Abraham, through Noah. You know, there's some things mm -hmm. going on there. Through Abraham, through Moses, there's these covenants, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then there's a new covenant. A covenant the theologian doesn't see um, it's seamless yeah. for them. They see those things as connected way more than a dispensationalist. So when a covenant theologian comes to the book of Revelation, that's what they're going to see. It's, more, it's, it's not so much the difference between how God is going to treat Israel at the end of it all and how he's going to tr treat the church. They're more together. And then, again, then you have all sorts of differences within those two theological frameworks yeah. so yeah. that's a, that's a nutshell no that's good yeah. i think that is super helpful because again how that how that then relates to the the interpretation of the book of revelation right. it does really come to the forefront because as you're trying to figure out who is this talking about what is this talking about the dispensational framework would try to pick and choose a little bit more and yes. be a little bit more. This is specifically this, this is specifically this versus a covenantal uh, theology would be a little bit more comfortable with saying mm -hmm. this kind of means all of God's people or, you know, just right. different things like right. that. So, Right. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, if you got more questions on that or we didn't go deep enough, you can certainly email Joe uh, and meet with him. Okay. Um, last one here is, and I, again, great, great, great question asking about the meaning of the phrase under the earth. You see that come, come up several times, specifically they're referencing in Revelation 5. Um, you know, they, they talk about, you know, in the heavens and on the earth and, and under, under the, the earth. earth. It's yeah. that phrase that kind of gets repeated. Um, so they're just wondering, what is that? Uh, and they're just, is it, um, yeah, what does that mean? That's a good question. Under, I don't under know. the earth thing. Let me read them um, in, in uh, the, the, I think the ones that she's refer this person's referring to in Revelation 5. Uh, but no one in heaven uh, or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look into it. Okay, so yep, that's 5.3. That's 5.3. And then 5.13. Then 5.13 yep. says, I heard every creature in heaven on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say blessing and honor and glory. Yeah. So th that's what the is specifically we're referring to. So do you have yeah. a take on that, Daniel? Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to? No, I don't want to share it, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pass. <laughs> so I would just say, you know, the, it's kind of dividing uh, just general, it's using, it's using a kind of a terminology that people of the time would have understood as like in the heavens, so the spiritual realm, on the earth, where people are alive, and under the earth, oh. people, even people who are dead. So it's just basically like it's a it's an idiom to describe all of creation throughout all of history. Yeah. Past, present, future. And yeah. and especially in 513 when there's this overflow of worship for Jesus. Right. He even includes other things like in the sea and yeah, it's yeah, like right. it's right. like absolutely everything. everything. Yeah. Nothing is excluded from this acknowledgement of Jesus is utterly unique, yeah. completely different, and he deserves everything. Yeah. So it that that's that is my take on it. I think mm -hmm. I think most people would agree with that. Um and so hopefully again any 
Yes, have anything. No, that's, that's yeah, fine. hopefully that's yeah. helpful. And again, we love we love getting your questions. So please continue to uh, ask um, along the way. We have so many questions <laughs> as we're always uh, approaching each of these passages and getting ready to preach on Sundays. And so we can only imagine that you all have, uh, qu- you know, at least a few as well. So please continue to feel free to uh, send those into us, and we will. Um, do our best with those. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today and I hope you have a blessed uh, day and week and we will see you next time on Behind the Sermon. Peace. Peace. Oh, I'm going to need a second to think about this. Maybe you can cut this, Luke. What am I thinking He's of? He's not going to. He's going to cut it. <laughs> you think about lunch right now? Or what do you think about me? Yeah, what do you want to do for lunch? <laughs> it's making... Oh, okay, here we go.